0: And welcome to the Gray Area, where I give interviews with developers, talk about gaming news and reviews, and focus on the interrelationships between gamers. My name is Genesee Gray, and this is the 57th episode in a weekly series called Chocolate Lemon. Here with me is Chris Scott, otherwise known as Fire, the editor-in-chief and founder of the gaming site Chocolate Lemon. Hello,
1: hello, hello, hello. Thank you for having me here.
0: Nice to have you. Last week's episode was a discussion with John and Daniel about the Mass Effect 3 multiplayer game. Please visit www.genesee.com to add to the forum discussion on that topic and to tell me your story. Today is Monday the 12th, and we're going to discuss some GDC news, some regular gaming news, and learn more about Chris and his website.
1: Okie dokie pokey. (laughs)
2: Let's
0: start with some news of the week. news of the week journey will be released uh for us finally in the u.s march 13th for the ps3 and i hear it's pretty popular in europe i'm looking forward to checking that out Uh, warp is coming out for the ps3 and pc on the 13th as well
1: i had some time with warp and that was a really amazing game um i think i think pax i think 2011 it debuted uh i talked to adam Sessler about it i asked what was his favorite game of the show so far and he told me warped, and I didn't expect too much from it. So I went over there and I checked it out. And it was a pretty simple stealth game, but the way that it was presented and the control scheme and everything like that worked so well with that game. I was just smitten with it. And uh, I didn't get a chance to review mine yet, but I, because I've been playing a lot of Skyrim, you know, uh-huh, so, yes. so it's a really good game. And I think PS3 owners will be pleased with that. And PC owners are going to enjoy it too, but. If you wanted achievements, you know, it's all about the Xbox right now.
0: <laughs> okay. So is this kind of like a first-person shooter stealth uh, warfare game? Or what? what's the premise?
1: Okay. So Warp is you're a tiny alien and you're abducted and you're in this research facility. And you basically have to escape. And now you get different powers throughout the course of the game. You can possess scientists or you can move through, like, items. And, um... There was a game like that for the Genesis back in the day. I think it was called Haunting, where you played as a ghost and you had to scare the family out of the house. (laughs) It's sort of the same three-quarters sort of view where you're looking down at everything and you're making things happen to get to your goal. And uh, a lot of games haven't taken that approach in a while because a lot of the stealth games are Metal Gear or, some case, Alpha Protocol, depending on how you play it. So this is the first time where you actually have to think about not being seen because your character can't sustain a lot of damage. So it's a really throwback game.
0: Neat. All right. I like that. Silent Hill Downpour for the Xbox 360 and Resident Evil Operation Raccoon City both come out on March 20th. Raccoon City for the Xbox and PS3 for those who prefer the really scary.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I and- mean, hold on. Just started to cut you off. I don't think Silent Hill has been scary for a while. I just got Downpour. <laughs> you don't think from- so? I, I, you know what? I started playing uh, one, two, and three. I played those three first, and then I kind of really enjoyed Shattered Memories on the Wii. Mm-hmm. Everybody hated it, and it's like, oh, this isn't Silent Hill. This is, you know, a detective point-and-click game, and they they hated it. But if you gave the game a chance, and you just say, okay, I'm gonna immerse myself in this game, it was actually pretty uh, rewarding, even though it wasn't traditionally scary. Because you really couldn't fight anything. And the monsters look kind of silly. But the tension was there. With, uh, I think, Homecoming. The one on the next-gen consoles. That really wasn't scary. It was more so an action game with the name Silent Hill on it. So
0: Ah, okay. So they've changed a lot since the first couple. I haven't played any of the more recent ones.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay.
0: Well, that maybe I'll have to check it out then.
1: Cause... Yeah, I'm, I'm, t- I'm telling you. You will love Shattered Memories. You will love... I, I don't know how you feel about a uh, homecoming, to be honest with you, because it was a really hit or miss game. Uh, Silent Hill Four: The Room is just eh, like you know, you get it, you play it. Silent Hill it does keep with the lore and everything, but it's just meh at the most. Okay. But uh, Operation Raccoon City, I'm really looking forward to that.
0: See, I enjoy the old uh, mist game where you solve the puzzles and and things like that. So a combo Silent Hill mist game would would interest me. Yeah. A new AI called Angelina is a game developer. In an interesting article I read by Megan Gauss, Angelina, which is a acronym for A Novel Game Evolving Elaborate, that's what Angelina is, is an evolutionary, evolutionary project by Michael Cook who is uh, a PhD candidate right now at the Imperial College in the UK. And Angelina this AI generates computer games from scratch. Uh, it uses several elements to combine together, uh, creating subtasks called species, and all of these together form a whole game. And she's created many games, some of which I will probably put a link in the show notes for if you want to check out, but it's kind of interesting that she is able to independently create games using these maps, uh, of passable and impassable areas, and also using some basic rule sets that define the way the player's obstacles move. So, kind of a neat concept that uh, AIs and computers can begin to create video games. They might give some of our developers, like Daniel, a run for their money. So look out, because we have algorithmic game developers who might phase you right out. Hmm. you know what
1: that is because my biggest thing with ai currently right now and developing is that rather than make the enemy smarter you just give them more life and let them do more damage rather than program an enemy that reacts to things a lot differently Mm -hmm. i don't know if it's because there's limitations with what you're doing where you can say okay well there's only a certain amount of instances that you can react on or it's just laziness but i really think that something like that could really help because then I would change the single player experience drastically, I think.
0: It'll be interesting to see what certain rule sets are things that are chosen by the AI. Things that are popular. Is it going to be the fun things or is it going to be the challenging things? Which is, which gets the most algorithmic uh, positives from people.
1: Right. Skynet. That's right. Yep. That's how it starts.
0: That's right. Skynet is here to replace you with Minecraft.
1: Minecraft. Minecraft, uh, Minecraft or a world of Minecraft or something like that. It's only a matter of time.
0: Uh, in GDC news, uh, there's quite a bit for the GDC we can cover a little bit. But one of the interesting things that had nothing to do with the conference itself was that there was a protest outside by two men holding signs that said, God hates game designers, which is sort of a shock and awe campaign to get people to look at um, what they called context hacking. What they were complaining about is... Uh, certain games they felt were out to monetize customers and exploit customers and there's been this sort of back and forth i guess in game de- design right now with the mass effect dlc and other things saying that yeah. you know do games are games created for our pleasure or are they created as a business and how much of each and so they were doing a protest of that now let's move to news of the week let's go with you first chris what's your news of the week
1: um, I think the news of the week for me is the fact that the downloadable content is available on the disc for Street Fighter Cross Tekken and that's creating a huge backlash within the fighting game community is creating a real big schism because there are some who say that, well, I paid $65. I'm entitled to all the, everything that's on this disc. But then there's the other side that understands the business aspect and saying, you know, there's a, probably a system of checks and balances for releasing downloadable patches and like adding content to the game. And the fact that they added it on the disc allows you to play with people that have it even though you may not have it. So, I think that's a, a bigger problem overall because then there's a sense of entitlement when you buy a game like what are you really entitled to, you know?
0: In kind of a similar issue to that, people assume if they buy the collector's edition, they're entitled to all the DLCs, you know, incoming. And if you look at it, you're paying, I think, 10 to $20 more than everyone else probably for a collector's edition. So, what does that entitle you to is the question. yeah. Certain things I've noticed, too, with Collector's Edition, it depends on uh, the company that you buy it through, but some of them I feel like are worth it. Um, I know the Star Wars, The Old Republic, Collector's Edition was really impressive. It was a really huge box, um, it's own little space station, and just the design of it was really clever. I was not as impressed with the Mass Effect 3 Collector's Edition because all you really got was a little tiny patch about the size of your first finger, uh, the musical score, and an art book. But they were all the size of a standard DVD case. Wow. So I felt like if you're going to pay another 15 to $20, I don't know, I kind of expected a little something more for that.
1: I mean, at the same time, you got to figure out what are you going to do with these collector's editions. Since I also run a video game store, I see a lot of people coming in to pre-order because they want a skin for a character that's on the disc that you will probably get free or unlock at some point in the game normally.
0: That doesn't make a lot of sense.
1: It doesn't because the the one that really tipped me off to this, <clears throat> excuse me, is when Halo, I think ODST came out and you could play as Sergeant Johnson. Mm-hmm. Now, everyone was going crazy for that, but you never see the character model for Sergeant Johnson because it's a first person shooter. So it was kind of lost on me <laughs> as to sense. why, like, you know,
0: Oh, do you hear a voice? Is it a different voice?
1: Oh, yeah, it's a different voice. It's, you get all his quips and everything like that, but you just get the same hands and feet and like gun animations that. <laughs> the other characters have so oh man
0: that's funny
1: are you going to PAX this year or no
0: oh I wish but no no not this year
1: yeah it's fun it's really it's a really good trade show in terms of trade shows uh I like PAX more than I like E3 when I went to both of them in 2011 I had more fun at PAX E3 it's basically a bunch of devs just jerking off their product in your face. They're like, oh, my God, this game is so good. You should give us this, blah, blah, blah. And I'm okay. like, can I play the game, please? And they're like, no, you can't because this is a build that's not done. So we don't want to give you the wrong idea. But you can watch these videos that we put together. But I'm Aww. like, I just, I just want to play video games. That's why I came here, you know.
0: Well, that's one of the things I liked about GDC this year that they were saying I did not attend myself. They were saying they had experimental gameplay sessions where they had two-hour sessions, um, I think it was Friday, that you could see the prototypes and get a chance to actually play them at the convention center, which is pretty awesome. And they weren't just saying, like you said, look at this video. You could try the the prototypes and then get the feedback, and that would probably change the way the game ended up evolving.
1: Yeah. See, that's more – I don't know. I just think that everyone's afraid to do something like that because so many studios are shuttering because – sales are dismal and then it, it's just a stat safe for gaming to be honest like back in the 80s like 90s and stuff like that companies were just doing stuff you know like there's so many bad games out there because people weren't afraid to fail but now everyone
0: I think we are though instant deciders uh, I mean a game comes out and within the first day everybody has made a judgment on that and made a decision if that's a good game or not we don't really give it the time or the playthrough to make an informed decision. I would think having a prototype of something would probably be a little bit scary. It's like a an ultimate beta test.
1: You know? It's like going on that first date and you just letting it all hang out. You're like, you know what? This is how we are. You know? It'll get
0: better, I promise.
1: It'll get better, but this is what you're gonna get yourself into, so I I just don't know. I think a lot of it has to do with internet culture and the fact that people tend to mob. Like no one like if you talk to a person alone about a game Will be a lot more receptive than if you went on a forum when every one person starts flaming, then everyone does it, mm. or one person's defending, and then they're all just arguing points. Like, I believe there's no such thing as inherently bad game. I think developers try their best to put out whatever it is that's closest to their visions. Now, some games may have issues, some games may just be mailed in, like, okay, well, this is shovelware, <laughs> and you can tell what shovelware is or not, but um. I've liked some games that, you know, they got really bad scores, but the concept was solid. It's Mm -hmm. just the execution was just lacking. I don't know if it was the fact that they didn't have the budget to get the right people or it's just general apathy. But I just don't believe that someone, if they put their lives into this game, because a lot of these devs, they put a lot of time in it. Like, they spend hours there. Oh, definitely. Yeah, so it's crazy. It's really crazy. I couldn't do it. I really couldn't do it. That's why I couldn't be an artistic type because I couldn't go to art school and have my teacher tell me my sculpture is crap because it doesn't follow some rules that some dead guy set years ago, you know? like
0: Taking a critique is definitely a whole other skill um, to be objective about your work that way. I don't know if game developers are taught that as well or how, since they're working in a team, how personal they take any criticism, but definitely... Yeah, that is a skill for sure, and I think a lot of times, like you were saying with Silent Hill, people get into a like a specific story or a specific genre, and they say it's supposed to be like this. I think that's the same thing that happened with Other M. Um, yeah, you know, I, I thought that game was okay. I had issues with and I've already said that on podcast before, I had issues with the map and the darkness, the physical darkness and not being able to find my way and stuff. But mm-hmm. the story didn't offend me. I wasn't like, oh, you know, Metroid. This is a break from my usual Metroid. I'm going to freak out and I can't take it, you know. People just like things to stay. They like the characters to do what they're supposed to do. And sometimes if the game's different than they expect, that in itself is a fail. Yeah.
1: yeah. I think it's brand loyalty, too. It happened with uh, Castlevania Lords of Shadow, like, It was a Castlevania game, and Kojima did it. And if it wasn't Castlevania, and if it was just called something else, Lords of Shadow, or just Lords of Shadow, it would have been a decent game. It would have been a God of War clone, because that, I mean, Devil May Cry set the precedent, and then God of War came in, and then you have a million characters like that. But the story was told well, the graphics were pretty good. Yeah, it had its flaws, but it was a strong game. But because it carried the title of Castlevania... And it wasn't the traditional 2D hand-drawn. Everybody was up in arms like, oh, my God, this game is terrible. What is Kojima thinking? Oh, like, you <laughs> took too many liberties with the story. He was, He's not supposed to be Dracula, you know? So mm-hmm. people have to learn to let go of certain preconceived notions that they have of titles. Like, yes, all apples are supposed to taste like this, but apples come in different colors and have slightly different tastes depending on the, what type of apple you get, you know?
0: I think it's interesting, uh, the news that's going on this week as well, with the Mass Effect 3 ending, people are just up in arms about uh, the fact that Bioware is supposed to be known for giving you all of these options with your characters and having your options that you choose affect the story in some way. And then we get to the ending and people are saying that the ending's choices are not diverse enough based on the fact that they have come to expect their choices to make some sort of a difference, and these three endings are, t- are too close to each other. So we actually have a demand a better ending from Mass Effect 3 group um, on Facebook, which I've seen has got like 13,000 likes right now, um, and people are trying to write letters to BioWare, basically expressing their displeasure and trying to get them to to change or add an extra conclusion to this.
1: I think that is... See, I got back into the gaming community when I started doing Track 11 Mm full-time, so I've seen a lot of, I've seen this a lot. It's just, it's that weird sense of entitlement because they're not happy with what the developers and what everyone worked on, and they felt that was a good product. They're not happy with it, so they want them to change because they want to feel like what they did was worth the time. I think those three endings were how the writers intended it to go, because you don't want to leave it in such a way that it's open ended and you're going to get a fourth, a fifth, a sixth. Like things have to end. They have to end. Like I was upset about the Gears of War 2 ending. I was really upset about that because rather than make a political statement, like I think Cliffy B could have just ended the series right there and said, you know what? War sucks. This is what it is. This is like, this is what you pay. But no, you get that ending and you have another Gears of War coming out. Like it, it, there comes a balance between making money. And then keeping your artistic integrity, you know, if they would have took the cop out and said, "Let's do these endings, so we can leave the door open for another sequel, so we can make another X amount of dollars,"
0: absolutely, n- how they many times can Shepherd die? I mean, and be reconstructed, really? Ex-
1: exactly. Like, okay, you know, there's a piece of hair of him over here. We got like a flap of skin over here. We can <laughs> rebuild him, you know. So.
0: We'll that I think there is another. I mean, th- it's kind of, I don't want to have spoilers for people, but I, I would think that this is the last in the series, but you never know. I mean, we could see Mass Effect 4 if, if there's a huge call for it. I don't know.
1: And you play as a completely different character. It would be interesting if you couldn't play as Shepard or you were, see, if you did Mass Effect 4, it would have to be some sort of prequel between each game sort of thing where you're covering stories that weren't as major as the Reaver invasion, mm-hmm. but they were still pretty big. Or it could be, uh, this like, you know how you could pick your background? You could, you know, it's a prequel to the first game. Like, all the events leading up to you becoming a Spectre and stuff oh, like yeah. that.
0: Oh, yeah. If they decide not to bring back Shepard in the fourth one, it would be really neat to see how she became, or he, I play Fem Shep, how she became a military commander and the whole rise through the military career. That would be awesome.
1: Yeah, see? There you go. Problem solved. You get to play Shepard. <laughs> you get another Mass Effect game. And you get to say, okay, well, this stuff carries over. And, and like, My Shepherd was like this from the first game. So there you go.
0: Okay, back to your news of the week. We we had a tangent.
1: Okay, sorry, 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 sorry. Um, The downloadable content thing, that was a big one. Um, It's been pretty quiet here in New York. I've just been working on PAX stuff, getting ready for PAX East. I have been just playing Skyrim because I'm behind on the time because I don't get to play that many games. Mm-hmm. So getting Skyrim was pretty... Awesome for me. um I got to see California, which is really nice. I get to travel out to California for a little bit, and I got to go to a few arcades. And I got to see because uh, New York doesn't have any arcades anymore because Chinatown Fair closed. So having that experience here in America was pretty good because usually when I go out to Tokyo, I, I arcade crawl like all the time. So
0: <laughs> we have arcades here, but they're mostly populated by ten-year-olds. Yeah,
1: I mean times are gone for people like us. You know, I feel so old sometimes.
0: Well, in California, are they really uh, kind of like Tokyo where they're really huge and everybody at- goes to them kind of the beach area?
1: Uh, it's like, well, I went to Final Round. That was a bowling alley slash arcade, which I kind of respect because I don't think American gaming culture could support an arcade. Just looking at how Xbox Live is, it just wouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. So... It was an arcade, and it had Japanese-style cabinets, and it was a bunch of games, and it's pretty diverse, so I had a pretty good time with that. They had a uh, photo booth, which I took pictures on. Uh, I played, like, a lot of Street Fighter, obviously, played some Tekken. I played uh, some shooting games, because, you know, I love the on a rail shooters, so I, I cheat. I'm a, I'm a huge cheater, and I start uh, chopping the trigger, so I was like, uh, okay. yeah, so I'm a cheater. Oh.
0: Is there a rule for physical, you know, physical shooting games like that? You you have to hold it a certain way and play it.
1: Well, no, no there's no rule. It's just that you know people don't want you to cheat because they want you to spend the quarters because those machines are designed for, to eat your quarters and everything yeah. like that. So <laughs> that's what it is. Um, but you know what it is about America. It's just going to be a, a rant and a tangent. But I feel that console gaming, while good, and it's helped gaming grow. It's also hurt the actual social aspect of gaming because no longer do you have to go up to your friend's house, you know, bring a game with you in your book bag. Mm-hmm. Or you go down in the local arcade and you have to wait in line and you're just there with other people. And now it's just Xbox Live. I make a party. Hey, you're in my party. Okay, let's go play some games against other people. Okay, yeah, I can say all this horrible stuff. Because I don't you. see you. Yeah. I don't see you. You know, I can talk all this trash. And then that's it. Like, there's no repercussions for anything like that. And, you know, I'm 29 and I grew up where if you said something about someone to their face, you got hit. Now, I think a lot of these kids, they can't, they they, they can't fathom that. Like, they could say a bunch of horrible things and they don't feel like their words have any meaning or any gravity to them because it's online. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think a lot of the gaming stereotypes of people being antisocial is coming into place because these people don't have social skills because they don't get to socialize when they play. They don't get to socialize with people that are of like spirits, you know? The internet was really good. It was amazing because a lot of these communities can can connect, but then it also increased the distance by not having to actually physically connect to these people.
0: I think that's true on a general sense for sure. Um, certain things I find have kind of an exception to that. Like one of the things lately I'm doing for my news is uh, Mass Effect 3, I've started doing the multiplayer, and I was really into the demo. Um, not, a, not a huge first-person shooter person myself, although I'm trying to kind of increase my skills that way. Mm-hmm. And I ended up uh, just having, I think it was a Valentine's Day thing on Skype, where I think I said, just, does anyone want to play games? Just message me on Skype, and we'll get together. And I got a couple people that I just knew from, from Facebook but didn't really know very well. Mm-hmm. And we ended up forming a uh, Mass Effect 3 multiplayer group. So now every pretty much every night, Um, probably tonight too, I'll end up meeting with them and we'll play, like, just shooting stuff and, you know, laughing around and hanging out on Skype. So, that was kind of nice.
2: Yeah.
1: So, yeah, I mean, there's those stories, but then there's, like, a million other horror stories.
0: Yeah, there was that whole thing right with Cross Assault where everybody was getting upset. That whole fallout, I think. Wasn't there something a couple weeks ago where uh, someone had... There was a sexual harassment charge where...
1: Oh, uh... Yeah, Street Fighter Cross Tekken where... My, yeah, it was a really big thing. It was a huge drama in the fighting game community. I got into it recently because, you know, I started Chocolate Lemon and then I work with Justin. So, you know, I got better at games and going to these tournaments. And, uh, I've noticed a lot of things within the community. There's a lot of hypocrisy and stuff like that. They say they're accepting, but new players, if they ask for something, they're told to shut up. They're noobs, get better. And I just cleaned it up. I, I definitely cleaned it up. And it's definitely a level of politics and just, like, popularity contest. I was fortunate because I had, you know, a pretty good lead in Justin saying, oh, co-signing for me. So a lot of the top players and a lot of people never really said anything to me because, oh, if Justin is hanging out with this guy, he must be pretty cool. But it's pretty daunting for, you know, a new player. And I can imagine females because... They feel that the fighting game community is like this boys club, like it's the gentleman's club. We're mm-hmm. fighting, you know, we're competitive, we're cursing, we're, be- we're being politically incorrect. You know, we don't have to worry about, you know, offending somebody because, you know, we're all thick skinned here, you know, it's just a part of the game. But at the same time, there has to be a line. And because the guy Ares felt feels that, you know, misogyny and sexism is a part of the fighting game culture which is troublesome because a lot of people share that sentiment. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily the case. Like there's a difference between trash talk, like talking about your skills like, oh, you can't beat me. You're so bad. You learn how to block. And then there's another thing about talking about a person personally, like right. saying how big are your boobs You'll oh, show this, show that. That has nothing to do with the game you're playing.
0: Well, you have a lot of professional gamer friends, and I've seen a couple episodes of Chocolate Lemon where you're hanging out at tournaments and stuff like that. I would imagine that there's a lot of, you know, trash talk about your gameplay. But do people turn and say things like, you know, I'm going to rape you or something? I think that was the quote that happened, and then, and then the offense was that, you know, like personal thing, like I'm going to rape you, meaning like, of course, I'm going to beat your character. Yeah. Take in in a personal sense, but they say things like, you know, I'm going to take you out back and. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, okay, among friends, like, yeah, we say, like, ridiculous thing among friends because, you know, we're all friends and stuff like that, and it's okay in those situations. But usually, for the most part, my experience is that people have been respectful, more or less. Like, they've talked trash, oh, you're free, fire, blah, 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 you can't block, you know, stop mashing or whatever. I've had one instance where I had, you know, to tell somebody, shut the F up, you know, but and they did but they only, after I just, you know, got frustrated, I think, this was at Evo, like, this is, like, the biggest tournament for Street Fighter, and it was, like, my first time at Evo, and I was kind of out partying the night before, you know, I shouldn't have been, but I was, so I had the early bracket, so I was up at, like, 7 a.m., and I'm downstairs, and you know how it is, trying to wake up after a night of partying, Mm -hmm. so I'm playing Street Fighter, and I'm playing this guy's friend, and this guy would just not shut up, and he's just talking shit, and it's okay, it's okay, but, you know, after a certain point i just turned around and i'm like yo could you shut up you know it's eight in the morning i understand that you want to support your friend and get hype and get all this other stuff but dudes just woke up <laughs> like
0: <laughs> right
1: like come on like if you want to go outside and you want to fight about this we can do that you want to play me we can do that i'll play you for money just shut up i want to concentrate on my match i have a hangover leave me alone you know
0: and how did he react to that
1: he, he just he was like oh oh he like he was just stunned like no one's ever said anything to them i think a lot of these people if somebody says something to them they like they just snap out of that mentality you know uh-huh. so it's pretty funny um
0: yeah i don't know a lot of times when i play i don't want to talk because i'm concentrating <laughs> yeah you know
1: yeah i mean i don't talk either like i hate talking during certain games like games like halo mass effect multiplayer uh Call of Duty, like, the shooting games where you need communication, Mm -hmm. then, yeah, you have to talk. Games, like, that are co-op, you know, you have conversations that go along with what you're doing. Like, if you're playing the Castlevania one that's 4 player, then, you know, you're talking, you know, you're just catching up. But, like, fighting games, I want to concentrate. I want to focus on what I'm doing. Like, I don't need you talk. I don't need commentary, you know. (laughs) Like, okay, you can talk shit after. You can talk all the mess you want after. Just let me play my match. Like you can say he beat me, and, you know, I'll accept it. Like, yo, I lost, but just let me concentrate, man. Right. Just, just. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, let's back up and uh, start with you a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's start with your favorite games and how you ended up becoming a video game addict.
1: Oh, wow. I, I was always a gamer when I was a little kid, and my first memory is of me sitting on my mom's lap trying to play Mario Brothers 1. <laughs> so... Like video games have always been a constant in my life. It's, it was video games for a long time. Then I had a growth spurt. Then it was basketball. But I still played games like on the side. I just played to be competitive. like, you know, your friends come over, you got a rotation going, you know, you're passing the control around. If you lose, you have to wait a long time. So I made sure that I didn't have to pass too much. So I never really took it that seriously. And then high school happened and then college. And I didn't have as much time for games as I would have liked. I remember, funny story, I almost flunked out of college because I kept playing Monster Hunter. The Japanese uh monster hunting game where you're fighting dragons and stuff. Okay. I would play that game so much online and I would miss class. Like, once in a while I'd miss class or I'd stay up super late. And I'd be like, oh man, I stayed up super late playing Monster Hunter, you know, just grinding out to the next level. So... I, it was just crazy. And then when I got out of college, I had more time for games and everything like that. So I started playing some more and I decided I, you know, wanted to get more involved in the gaming community. So I started organizing tournaments for a playing trade. And then I met somebody for Channel.TV. I don't know if they're still around, but they wanted to do a gaming five-minute show with me and Justin because I knew Justin at the time. And we decided that it would be easier if we just started a site. And we just started a site, so I really got into it. Is he the uh,
0: person that I see in the web series? Because you don't really introduce yourselves. The one I- oh,
1: uh, Justin is like the negligent father that he's always around. He leaves me at home. He's always traveling the world and fighting people in Street Fighter. So I'm here manning the fort with just Eric or TJ or whomever wants to spend some time with me on camera, you know?
0: So what's the story with Chocolate Lemon, the name?
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. i right. sounds Cho- delicious, but not I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's a weird name, but it's more at first it was a joke on uh, me and Justin Justin and myself actually because I'm brown. He's like you know kind of yellowish so <laughs> chocolate lemon, but it became a little bit more than that. It became a philosophy because we wanted to have something for everybody. We wanted to have the hardcore game to be able to look at something we're doing and be like you know what that's kind of cool because I know so and so or I know what he's talking about. But then we want the people that aren't into it, like the casuals or, you know, the moms, the girlfriends, the boyfriends who aren't players, to be able to watch it and, and look at some of the stuff that we do and enjoy it for what it is. Even, and, like, learn a little bit of stuff while, you know, they're whoever they're watching it with is enjoying the show. That's why the show is the way it is. Like, we don't want to make a hardcore show that's just talking about this, that, and the third because there's a million things out there like that. And I, let's be honest. Everyone feels that they can do it better. So. We're not gonna try to compete. We're just gonna say, you know what? We're making a show that's watchable and it's fun. And you learn a little bit of stuff. You get to see the inside of the gaming culture a little bit if you're not there. And if you're already in there, you can see people that you know or you know, find out about some things that you might not have been aware about, you know?
0: Okay. So you're saying uh, one's sweet and one's acidic? Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: pretty much limb. <laughs> uh, Yeah, you know, it's two different textures, two different colors. I think it's, like, striking, you know, when you think about, like, think about a chocolate lemon, you're like, whoa, holy crap, you know? (laughs) So, we try to have a little bit of something for everybody, a little bit of sweet, a little bit of sour, depending on what your tastes are, you know? Like, I love lemonade and I love chocolate, so it kind of doesn't work for me, but there's people out there that like lemonade and hate chocolate, you
2: know?
0: (laughs) Okay. And I know you have the web series, and it sounds like you also have a podcast that's affiliated with the site.
1: Uh. Okay. This is a long, sad story. I don't know if you can edit in some violins, but I will <laughs> okay. tell you, I will sing you the song of my people.
2: Mm.
1: Uh, when we first started, we did two podcasts. I did Champ Mountain, which is focusing on like the competitive side of gaming. And then my friend Wally did Geek Fist, which is the now official website, uh, podcast of Chocolate Lemon. Okay. And the reason why I decided to discontinue Champ Mountain and keep Geek Fist is because i'm doing too much <laughs> to be honest with you it's a like a lot of stuff to update a podcast daily like I weekly know.
0: Mm, i know I'm preaching to the choir uh-uh. <laughs> <Got it.
1: laughs> and plus i felt like it, w- it was cannibalizing what we wanted to do i feel that since we don't do a lot of comic book and like offbeat nerd stuff i would figure that Having that would be something good, like something. Oh well, I don't want to look about. I don't want to look at a show about games. I want to listen to them talk about TCGs or some comics that they're reading, or just like Felicia Day or whatever those nerds talk about on that show. I don't know. They're they're so crazy sometimes.
0: What is with the uh, like baby Cthulhu, like uh, (laughs) the octopus?
1: Uh, we haven't named him yet. He's he's a baby octopus. He's definitely a baby octopus. And uh, my thing was. I wanted something kind of Japanese-ish. Like, when I initially launched the site, it was just giant tentacles with, like, squeezing a chocolate and lemon. Because we wanted something weird in Japanese. And mm-hmm. Nothing says Japanese like tentacles, you know? <laughs> right. But then everyone was wondering, like, yo, where are the tentacles coming from? Like, mm-hmm. what? Like, they're just there. And I was like, you never played Maniac Mansion? You know, there's green tentacle there. You're like, he's just there. Mm-hmm. So it's another redesign. We said, okay, let's give a logo. Let's give the actual tentacles a body. And then we decided, you know, something cute, and the octopus is cute, and he has My Little Pony eyes. That's the whole thing.
0: He does. That's right, My Little Pony. We're all friends.
1: Yeah, I'm a Brony, so that was thing for me. (laughs) Okay. Oh, they're so good. Oh. (laughs) Did you see uh, this Saturday's episode with time travel and Twilight Sparkle? Like it was, it was okay. There was no app. The last week. Got to watch it. You got to go watch it. That's gonna be your next quiz. Like that's gonna be on your Facebook wall. I'm gonna quiz you on this. (laughs) Okay. And this will be like ten percent of your grade. So
0: I was done with the old My Little Pony, like when it came out. That was something I watched as a little kid, so now it's back and much more anime.
1: Yeah. That old original one was so creepy. Those horses looked very creepy.
0: <laughs> I used to have those horses.
1: Oh no. Yeah. Childhood, man. I know. Childhood.
0: <laughs> some people have Thundercats, some people have My Little Pony. We all just have to get along. <sighs> so let's talk about this site a little bit. I like the layout. I like how it's just pictures. It kind of reminds me of some of the sites I searched with mobile devices uh, where it's squares of pictures and you can click on the pictures and they'll take you to articles. So if you want to find out more about something, you just click that and it'll take you to, you know, a larger article that you can read. Um, but it's not like Game of Sutra or something like that where you have to wade through an entire huge block of text to find what you want to know. You just click on the things that interest you.
1: Yeah, just go ahead. Like, it's a little pick. It's like going to a buffet and you see something that you like, and you pick it up and you eat it. That's the way we thought about it. We we just wanted to make it really simple. Maybe it's too simple, and some people want traditional. uh, You know, there's some text there, but if you click on it, then you say, "Oh, this is an article," and then you can find all the articles by whoever wrote them. You know, so the site went underwent some growth and some changes and everything like that. But I think the more you keep something simple, like the better it is because too many bells and whistles distract. Like if I have a game over here in the corner or a flashing banner here.
0: Yeah. You don't want to get lost in the endless track.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Plus it loads on my computer. So that's like the most like amazing <laughs> thing. A computer is terrible. My friend who's a computer at like whiz. He's amazing with these things. He came over here. He looked at my tower. He opened it up and he cried. Oh, really? Wow. He's like, I feel so bad for you. Like, how could you live like this? I was like, ah, "Hey, man, it's not I a think third it- <laughs> world country. It's an old tower." I mean, the way he made it sound, uh, you know what? It's Fire twenty twelve. He's gonna make a video. You know, Fire is living in poverty with his computer. <laughs> the last PC he game, PC game he played was City of Heroes on the lowest settings. He can barely run Guild War. Like. It, it's crazy. That's
0: right. There's going to be, uh, you know, Sally Struthers is going to be getting dollars for you, that 90% of which will go to you, you know, small. Donate to Fire's new tower. Yeah.
1: yeah. It, it's just hard. Like, I cry myself to sleep at night when... I can't even watch YouTube properly sometimes. Sometimes it just freezes. The new Firefox crashes for me all the time. Yeah. <sighs>
0: How can you play?
1: I, that's why I play console. That's oh, why I yeah. That's a huge reason why I'm a console game. Like I would love to play on PC. Like I would love to play PC shooters because I think I would be a better player on the mouse and keyboard rather than I am on controls because my thumbs are kind of wonky at times. Okay. So and there's like a lot of RPGs I would like to play on PC. A lot of MMOs. I, I'm a big MMO fan because you get to socialize and you get to you know be somebody else for a little bit. Like not that I role play or anything like that. You know during the day, like maybe on weekends, but. <laughs> You know, it's just really fun. It's really fun to interact with people. Console gaming feels a little bit more... It's just jaded and angsty to me.
0: Okay. I've always been kind of a PC person myself. Although, you know, I have several consoles as well. But, yeah, I just, I just prefer it. Some people have, you know... Some people definitely grow up with a preference. You know, the old school console as you're a kid playing that sort of thing. Right. Yeah. And plus uh raptor works for everything which i just recently got that and i'm not sure how i feel about raptor because it announces to everyone when you're playing games which i suppose is good if you want them to join you in a multiplayer but otherwise it's kind of like it makes you feel especially for me if you're like a real achievement person and you enjoy achievements it's like you have to compete now with every single person you know because they're all listed there of how long they've played each game or, you know, what levels they're at. So it's a whole new level of achievements that oh, can really no. suck your life away.
1: No, I can't get into that. <laughs>
0: no, it's like that. And it announces on Facebook or on Twitter after you've played a game how long you've played it too. Oh,
1: so no. That's really
0: embarrassing. If you play it for 15 minutes and then you just say, you know, screw that. It announces to everyone that you've played for 15 minutes and then you feel like a loser.
1: Yeah. You know what? I think I, I just don't know. I just couldn't do that. I'm not an achievement like hunter. I'll beat the game. I'll say, okay, I beat this game. I, if you look at all my achievements, I usually get like half of the game, and then that's it. <laughs> okay.
0: See, certain games I'm like that. Like World of Warcraft, I really enjoy achievements, but other like single role play, single player role play games, not necessarily.
1: No, I don't know. I just feel that like maybe I'm old fashioned, but I don't think adding achievements like improves gameplay. I think it gives people something to look for specifically and they don't take the time to enjoy the game because they're looking for these achievements. I miss the days where you played the game and you played through it a lot because you liked it, not because you wanted to get a thousand points on it, you know?
0: That's true. Although it can have replay value, I find because I'll play a game through once and then I'll say, you know, like uh let's say Deus Ex Human Revolution. Right. I'll play it through a second time just to get like the stealth stealth achievement. Even though that's not my style of gameplay, like I, I'm pretty much just like melee, run in your face and hit you. So yeah. I play that way, and but then I'll go back and I'll replay it just for the purpose of getting that set of achievements. So in some ways that's good, but if if you alter your gameplay to get all the achievements the first run, I do agree that's kind of lame.
1: Yeah, I just I don't know why. And my thing is okay. So I have uh, almost thirty k in gamer points. What can I do with that? Like my EP is bigger than his <laughs> EP. Like, what does this mean?
0: Right. Right. Okay. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit about GDC. There's not a whole lot, um, unfortunately, unless you were there to actually
1: hear yeah. the panels
0: that you can really discuss. But there were some interesting things that you can read on Game Sutra, which basically sums up some of the panels and some of the ones I enjoyed. Were uh, ten tutorial tips from Plants vs Zombies creator George Fan. Uh, another one was how Valve made Team Fortress 2 free to play, which I didn't get to finish, but I always thought that was kind of an interesting choice. Uh, it's a pretty popular game, and you do wonder how how Valve makes any money off that. Uh, just neat neat stuff if you ever want to know the ins and outs of you know developers and, and what their goals are, what they're thinking about, and you know some things that they would make, I guess, simple enough for us non-developers to understand. It
1: yes, us laymen. Maybe a simpleton. That's right.
0: right. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit more about your site. Um, you did say that you played video games as a child. And I do wonder, since you said you were you were sitting on your mom's lap, did your parents play as well? Was it like a family
2: thing?
1: Uh, No, it was never a family thing. I have a half-brother that, you know, played a lot of video games. So I was exposed to it, like, really early. Okay. And I, you know, Nintendo, Mario Brothers, I loved it. Fun fact, this is, like, going to be one of those confessionals like on a reality show when i was a kid i was scared of the following two games castlevania and ghouls and ghosts why
0: why yeah. castlevania the bath
1: uh, no it wasn't the bath it was just like the music was like scary to me oh, like organ
0: stuff yeah
1: yeah like the organ stuff i would just get freaked out and i would run out the room <laughs> like for both games i would never watch those games play but everything else i was fine with um i had a bunch of systems when i was a kid i had the Nintendo i had i actually had a turbo graphics when i was little i never got the super nintendo i had nintendo turbo graphics and then sega genesis i kind of skipped the super nintendo caught uh n64 at like the end of its tail life Mm -hmm. i didn't get a GameCube, and then i started with playstation oh my god and then everything else was downhill from there man
0: yeah playstation that's pretty much where i spent most of my time
1: what was your favorite game
0: uh, I really liked uh, Metroid. When you There's that certain sound when you roll into a ball and you, you jump. like just Yeah, there's certain sounds in that game I just love. Oh, what else? Let's see. Uh, Ninja Gaiden, the original. That was an amazing game. That was the first time I saw like cinematics. And I guess you would see my first exposure to quote-unquote anime, if you would call Ninja Gaiden anime.
1: Yeah, it sort of could pass. Like It could pass, definitely. Yes, many, many moons ago.
0: <laughs> then we move right into things like Lion King the Adventure. <laughs> not
1: right. You know hey, no one's judging you. My favorite games are like Dance Summit 2001, which is the Buster Groove that came out in Japan for the PlayStation 2 that never made it to America. Uh I'm not I'm not ashamed to say this.
0: How did you get that?
1: Oh, I I imported it. Okay. I imported it. Like shamelessly I imported it. Um I'm not ashamed to say this. I like Spice World on really? the PlayStation for the Spice Girls, yeah, because I always was a fan of, like, the music games and being able to make and, like, make your own track and stuff like that. And I'll be honest with you, I, when I was, you know, that age, I liked the Spice Girls. I, w- I wasn't a super fan. I did see the movie. But, uh-huh. you know, kind of liked them. Um, ironically, now, Castlevania is one of my favorite games. Now, I played all the time. Like, the original ones mm-hmm. played all the time now. I was like, wow, I was really a- like a chicken when I was a kid you know what chris was a punk young chris was a punk he was he was scared of everything his own shadow like clowns like there's nothing i wasn't afraid of like oh my god ah.
0: see you're laughing at me with my silent hill fear
1: no, i mean silent hill i could see because my my theory on silent hill is a lot like dating lady gaga i'm gonna I'm break it down for you right now <laughs> okay. sometimes Sometimes she's Stephanie and she's normal, you know, like she's she has blonde hair or whatever, but she's dressed normally, she's wearing whatever. Right. And then you go do something innocuous, like, oh, you check your phone or you go to the bathroom, and all of a sudden, th- all of a sudden, she's wearing a meat dress, and there's guys in like spandex, like rolling around on the floor. You're like, what the <laughs> hell is going on? So, uh, you know what? Silent Hill can be jarring because, you know, you go into a room and it's normal, and then something happens, and you come in, and the room is like metal grating with stuff dripping from it or there's an extra elevator button, or just just crazy things are happening. So it's, it's a stressful situation because you think you know where you're going, but then everything changes. It's not even the monsters. It's just that you don't know when things are going to change. And when you're dating Lady Gaga, you don't know when you come home or when she comes home if she's going to be Stephanie, Lady Gaga, or I think Joe Caleron is his name.
0: Uh-huh, Yeah. Like,
1: yeah. You don't know what you're getting. It's it's just terrifying. I don't know the, how the guy that's currently dating her is handling it. Oh, no, because he's a werewolf. I'm sorry. He's a werewolf. So <laughs> he doesn't mind it. But, like, for us humans, that's... I could see
0: that. I think it'd be like dating Nicki Minaj. You'd have the same issue. You yeah, know? Like she, you, would, you could be talking same. to her and all of a sudden she starts screaming at you like Roman.
1: You're like, wait, wait, what? Like, what did I miss? You know, so it's a jarring, it's a jarring experience. So I don't blame you for being afraid of Silent Hill. Because you can wake up one day and just be outside in the fog, and you're just like, "Why?"
0: Right. Well, see, then I did see the movie after that, and that was even more upsetting.
1: Oh man, the movie was. Don't get me started on video game movies. Just it's.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's very few video game movies that are actually true to the game, and Mila Jovovich seems to be like the main perpetrator.
1: It's just a bad romance because there's no way that you condense (laughs) out Lady Gaga. I mean, I'm in love with her, but, you know, I just can't be with her like this anymore. It's hard to condense like hours of gameplay into a narrative that makes sense in the course of like an hour to two hours, or three hours at the most. Like, if you want to go for, you know, the gusto. I think some certain franchises can pull it off. Like, if Left 4 Dead started doing movies, I want them to do a Left 4 Dead movie so I can try to be Francis the Black guy. No, his name is Lewis, right? Yeah, it's Lewis. I think I would make a good Lewis, but. Anyway, I think because Left for Dead is episodic, and you have four different scenarios, you can do a movie based on any scenario, and it's standalone by itself. But if you do something like Silent Hill or Resident Evil that has such a rich history, it's the same with comic books. You can't pick and choose from any part of the timeline and put it together and make a movie out of it. It's just, it just can't flow. Like I think Heavy Rain could have been a movie, uh, a pretty good movie, told from four, uh, the four different perspectives. Mm-hmm that interacted at some points that would have been a really good movie silent hill you can't do it um you don't enjoy the resident evil series i i look at it and i'm like i i don't know what's going on like why are you running up the side of a building why <laughs> well, what just what is going on here like where are you in the resident evil actual storyline are is it going to be like a harley Quinn sort of thing where a character that's not originally in the lore is created and then added to it like later on because she was a cartoon character before she was ever in the comic books and everyone loved Harley so they put her in the comic books. Mhm. So I don't know what Milojovich is like doing, you know? Like I I like uh, like maybe I'm just old fashioned, but I just don't think certain things should be done. Like how when he did the Mario Brothers movie, we all remember oh, I that. Have,
0: I wouldn't even see it. I'm sorry, it was too upsetting. I couldn't even I, see
1: it. I saw it and I I just felt empty. <laughs> I just felt so empty that Double Dragon movie. Oh no. Oh my God. Uh, what other movie did I see that was video game related? Oh, there was one weird movie that would have actually made a pretty good game called Stay Alive. Like, if you die in a game, you die in real life. You know, you take a look at it. It's, it's cheesy, but the, like, it would have made sense as a video game mm-hmm. because you're trying to keep yourself from dying. So that would be an interesting game. There was another game like that called, I think, Shadows of Destiny on a PlayStation where you're dying like every five minutes because you, like, someone's trying to kill you but you can prevent that because you'll come back to life and go back in time, like X amount of time before you died. So you
0: have, Oh, as you're trying to prevent it each time.
1: Yes. So something like that would be cool. Um, what else was, Oh, gamer, that, that movie. Oh, the reason why I didn't like gamer is because King Leonidas was in it. (laughs) And I, you know, I swore by King Leonidas until I saw him in all those (laughs) rom-coms and, I was like, my my king, I I, I he can't stand... Never be known as King of the United. <laughs> yeah. What yeah, are
0: you doing in this game?
1: He's like, what are you doing in this movie? Why are you here with uh, Rachel from Friends? <laughs> like, what are you doing in the United? <laughs> I, I cry. Like, whenever I see that happen, I, I, I just cry. Like, I want to do, like, stuff like that. Like, I want to actually break through and do movies and everything like that. But I want to be me. I don't want to be... Somebody in this movie and then I'm doing this movie and you have someone saying, fire, why? Why are you crying over this woman in the movie? That's not what you do.
0: See, that's the way I feel about Wrath of the
1: Titans that's
0: coming up. I look at that guy and I'm like, Jake, go back to Pandora. What are you doing in Wrath
1: of the Titans? You know. It's like, Oh, don't fight that thing. No. <sighs> like, <laughs> like I just sit in my chair and I just facepalm and I just sigh when I see something. So... It's okay. You can sigh along with me.
0: All right, I'm grabbing the train by the rails here and turning it back to where what we need to talk
1: about. Yes, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I I go off on tangents. I'm, I'm okay. so sorry. Okay, okay, All right. okay.
0: Back to your site. So I'm I'm trying to find the connection between you being a video game aficionado and then suddenly founding Chocolate Lemon because it sounds like to me you're traveling to a lot of tournaments you're doing um, web series you're meeting all these professional gamers you are a pro gamer then all of a sudden you know like how did you go from after college where you're playing video games to suddenly being in, in the industry
1: oh this is a very interesting story so after college you know I got a degree in philosophy and cognitive science so I really couldn't do too many glamorous jobs because you know what are you doing with a philosophy degree like
0: <laughs> no, perfectly suited to being in the gaming world
1: yeah totally I'm like yeah, I could think about some stuff but uh after college I worked in a doctor's office really like for three since like I finished in 2006 because I went back because I you know did some other stuff you know I did a little bit of traveling before that but in 2006 I finished school and then in 2009 I like no 2006 I was working in a doctor's office for about three years Like from six to nine.
0: Like psychology? When you say doctor's
1: office? No, not even. It was just a general practice doctor's office. Like I was doing paperwork. I had a full-time job doing paperwork. So Uh it was a really different sort of vibe. Like one day I just said, hey, I want to do a video game website. Hey, Justin, do you want to do a video game website too? He was like, I don't really care because I'm playing Street Fighter all over the world. But okay. And... um. So I started off doing a video, like my first year at chocolate Lemon, I had no idea what was going on. It was like a dog in a laboratory, like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> so I know I got the side up and it's like, you know, what do we do? Like, are we doing news? Are we doing personality stuff? What are we doing? So it's just, we went to Comic-Con the first year and then I decided to say, okay, let me take 2010 the second year, seriously. So we got our ducks in a line and then we went to PAX East. The first pass, the very first PAX East, we went there. Fun story, I won an arcade machine for Street Fighter. Wow. Yeah. It was amazing, except that Random it was in Boston. Wine? No, I won it in a tournament. Oh, okay. I, be- I beat up on other people. I won an arcade machine. The guy was like, that's great. You know, you're going to win this machine. And he's like, where do you live? And I'm like, New York. And he's like, <laughs> oh. And I was like, yeah.
0: Oh, no. So what did you do? Sell
1: it? Oh. Uh, no, I didn't sell it. It's in uh, my store. I found a way. He drove it down. He was a good guy. We gave him a few hundred bucks, you know, first time. And I have an arcade machine, so that was like my first tournament win. Like that's like, oh my god, I was like so happy about that. And um, so I started doing packs, and then you know we started picking up a little bit of steam, and then pause, pause. You're you're saying you're in your first
0: tournament win. So you just decided to randomly enter this, like, as a newbie, or you had some sort of Take us from the newbie person into a tournament, how you get into a tournament.
1: Okay, so, like, I was, okay, I played a lot of fighting games before, right? Like, I've always been playing video games and fighting games, and I said, you know what? I want to actually get better at these games. In 2009, that's when I said it when I started with Justin. I was like, you know what? If I'm going to do a video game website, I should be able to play video games, you know? (laughs) It would help. It's slightly, you know? it It was just a thought. Um, so it was like a big transition for me because I used to play on controller, like, you know, the regular controllers and stuff like that mm-hmm. to these like arcade sticks, like the big joysticks that, you know, you see these pros have. So it was like a learning process. Uh, what also inspired is that when I went out to Japan in the first, for the very first time, there was no place to plug in a controller in the arcade. So you had to play on these joysticks. So I took a lot of losses, man. I was losing a lot. <laughs> and uh, around 2000, and and 9, like, when packs rolled around, I was, okay, I was fairly decent, you know, like, I was getting good at Street Fighter and Capcom-made games, so I was like, you know what, I'll enter this tournament at this party, and, you know, I'll see what happens, because before that, before that tournament, I was always going 0-2, I'd show up to a tournament, I'd play in it, I'd lose, that's it, <laughs> every time, so, it was one of those things, like, okay, I'll play in it, and, you know, I started doing, I started winning, I was like, okay, I'm winning. And then it was just keeping calm and then all this other stuff. And then before I knew it, I was in the finals and like, Oh wow. I'm in the finals of a tournament. So I'm like, play, you know, stay calm, stay calm, do whatever, find your happy place. <laughs> and I won. And I was like, wow, my first win. Like it was pretty awesome for me. You know?
0: Nice. So how did you meet Justin?
1: Uh, I did. I threw a random tournament at uh plane trade and you know, he was like, he sent me a message. He's like, Hey, you want to hang out and play some games? And You know, we started hanging out, and because you know he's Justin Wong, and everyone knows him from that Daigo video, or the one where he made the comeback, or the any video where he made a comeback. Everyone thought he was this arrogant, you know, stuck-up kid. When I actually met him, he's just a shy guy that doesn't really talk a lot around people he don't know. He doesn't know, Mm -hmm. but once you get to know him, he's funny, and he's like, he has like, like he has like wisdom beyond his years. He'll tell, he'll tell you something like, and use a video game reference. And it'll all make sense. So I got, yeah, so he's a really great guy. And uh, we got to hang out. And, you know, I wanted to work with him. And, you know, he's now on, uh, I think, Evil Geniuses. And he's a sponsored player. So he's not really worried too much about doing the media thing because he's out in California. And I'm here in New York. So he's more like the guy that, he's like in the clouds looking down. He's He's like my Mufasa right now.
0: He already sounds like he was a little bit zen and sensei with his whole, let's condense the universe into a microcosm of video game analogies.
1: Yeah, I mean, thank you, Justin, wherever you are.
0: (laughs) I now know the meaning of true love based on Tekken.
1: Yes, I learned learned everything I know about men and women from Street Fighter. That's pretty much, (laughs) that's all like, I'll leave it like that. But So that's how I met Justin, and then it helped a lot that Justin was helping me because... People would just watch to see what Justin would do and, like, do some random stuff or whatever. And then when I would throw tournaments, people would show up because, you know, he would show up and everybody wanted to hang around him. And then, you know, people started talking to me and they found out that I was, you know, pretty cool. Not, you know, sound, you know, arrogant or anything like that, but I'm 20% cooler than, like, the average person, so.
0: (laughs) Nine out of ten dentists prefer you.
1: Yeah, nine out of ten. That tenth one is just dead. Like, I don't know. Like, he, he has, like, a dead soul. I don't know what's wrong with that tenth one. But, yeah, so it was, like, one of those things that, you know, I got into the community via introduction and then all the other, like, the upper echelon of the community, like, the guys from Team Spooky or the guys on the West Coast, like, Alex Valle or Gutex. Like, anybody who's somebody in the community knows who I am now, but it's, like, I'm maybe, like, a D-list celebrity. The best way to describe that is my friend said it perfectly. I am the common of the fighting game community. Like all the real big players know who I am or like they know of me, but I'm not selling a lot of records. So the average player doesn't know me. (laughs) It's one of those things like Common, like everybody knows who Common is, but the average hip hop listener won't know who Common is, you know?
0: Okay. See, I'm
1: not a huge hip hop listener, so I don't know who Common is. Yeah, see, so it's like, oh, you're like, oh, let me Google Common. Yeah, so um that's pretty much my how i got into the fighting game community and getting into the industry was a little bit more difficult because when you're i'm pretty sure you know this like if you don't have certain requirements you can't get into certain trade shows you know that like if you don't have this you don't have that you don't have these papers you don't have this number you can't do anything so i had to you know sit down and go through this whole entire process of becoming uh like ish to like an actual site, even though they're kind of like the same thing. But in the eyes of the industry, if you have like a tax ID number, then you're considered legit, even if you're working out of your mom's basement. You know? Oh, I mean, I it's it's a long process, and while you know, I'm not gonna bore your listeners with it, but it, I'll, I'll tell you everything you need to know. But once you get like your tax ID number and everything like that, then it's just a matter of getting hits and everything, and getting traffic. And for a while, I'm not gonna lie to you. Some days I would wake up and i say, why am I doing this? Because I don't think that anybody's reading the site. No one comments, but then I forget people lurk on the internet and they don't like the comment.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Everyone's a lurker.
1: Yeah, everyone's, like, just lurking. That's right. And it's, like,
0: 15, uh, what is it? I went to some site today and they had 15 likes and 300 talking about. Really?
1: Like, what? <laughs> like, huh?
0: <laughs> why don't you just like it? All 300 other people? No, we're going to talk about it. We no, no. won't like it.
1: Nope, nope. We're just going to mention it and then... You know, not talk about it, but it's one of those things that you just have to stick with it. Then when I went to like 2010, I went to my first E3 and I was amazed to get in and I was just like, wow, you know, and then a lot of some people saw me there and you know, you make contacts and then people know who you are. And then you make, you know, relationships with representatives and PR people. I, on a side note, I'm not going to go too far off, but I've noticed in the past two years that PR in a video game industry is like, walking on thin ice because there's so much overturn in that position. I don't know why, but people just move on to other things or they go do other stuff. I just don't know what it is. But that's one of, I think, the toughest positions in the video game industry to have, like, stability because...
0: I think a lot of people use it as, like, a stepping stone or their foot in the door to kind of make it into the industry and then they move on from there, kind of community manager and then upward from there. It's like the seedy underbelly of gaming.
1: Oh my God. The seedy underbelly of gaming is just, it's high school. All it is, it's high school. I thought, you know, after college and everything like that, the real world wouldn't be so focused on clicks and, you no know, politics, but industry's just like that. If you don't know somebody, you're not going to get in there. Or if you're not doing something that X amount of people like, you're not going to be popular. So... It's it's a weird thing. I mean, I wouldn't re- I wouldn't do anything else. Like, I do love the industry. I love the people. I love the community, actually. And my goal with Chocolate Lemon is not to so much put the spotlight on the industry, but put it on the community. Because without the community, there's really no industry. Because without the people buying it and talking about it, it's just a bunch of nerds programming some stuff on computers. You know, like it has really no meaning unless it like resonates with the players. So I want to focus more so on the people. Like that's what makes gaming great. Yeah. There are personalities in the industry, like Seth Killian. He's like a really good one. Cliffy B, all these guys, but they're, they were not rock stars until really the internet took off and everyone can see these guys and they can tweet to them. And it's like, Oh, I love your game. And you know, they know who these guys are now. Like
0: there is kind of like a game developer celebrity, um, like mini celebrity being a game developer. I mean, take Tim Schaefer for example. Yeah. You should like so, that talk
1: back. Yeah. Because if you interact, that's the biggest thing. Like if people feel that they can talk to you, they're like, hey, you know, Seth, I don't like this. And, the third, and Seth Killian writes back and says, oh, well, you're going to be like, wow, Seth Killian said, oh, well, to me.
0: <laughs> yes. That's how I feel about Greg Kasavin. <laughs> Greg Kasavin talks to me from Bastion. It makes me so happy.
1: It's, you know, tiny miracles, man. That's what makes the world go around, tiny miracles. That's
0: right. Okay, uh, we're getting ready to wrap up. Anything else you think we should know before we close?
1: Um, okay, this is about ponies. Applejack is the greatest pony ever.
0: <laughs> you think so? Even with Cranny?
1: You know what? I love the Smith family. Like, I just love that entire family.
0: Did you see the one where they uh, have to try to save the farm because there's not enough apple cider for every single person in town and then the the other boy ponies come in with their super uh, futuristic machine that makes apple
1: uh, apple cider yeah. i watched that episode i love that family I-, I will stick by that family i think it's because of applejack that i'm probably gonna marry a country girl you <laughs> know it's gonna be her fault that i'm just gonna marry a girl from the country because i don't know will she I just... have
0: to have an apple tattoo
1: you know what i'm gonna tell you a story i'm gonna get if I win a major tournament, like a big like multi thousand dollar tournament, I'm gonna get a cutie mark. And you know what my cutie mark is gonna be? <laughs>
2: what?
1: It's gonna be a salt shaker because people are gonna be so upset that I won. And I'd use my money to get a cutie mark tattoo, it's just gonna it's gonna be the ultimate troll.
0: Okay. Where are you gonna put it?
1: On, on my flank. That's where your cutie oh, mark goes. That's man. Right.
0: Okay, well, that I see. So just even showing them will be a statement in itself.
1: Be like, hey, hey, hey! Check out my cutie mark. He's like, why do you have a soul You know, and I'm like, you mad, bro?
0: (laughs) Okay. You know, I'm tempted to draw you a picture of Applejack just for that.
1: You know what? I would take that picture of Applejack. Okay.
0: Do you ever use that app? It's called Draw Something.
1: No, I've. You know what? I just got an iPhone recently. I used to have a BlackBerry. I had a BlackBerry for three years. And I was so happy with my BlackBerry, so much so that I got the same one three years in a row for some reason. Because, you know, I'm loyal. I'm very loyal. And then it came a point in our relationship where my BlackBerry decided to start deleting my contacts every two days. And, Um, you know, I, you know what? Then I got that iPhone and I'm just amazed. Like, I'm so amazed that I can actually make a phone call. (laughs)
0: Wow, things were bad.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know what? Because you, you never know. Like You never know how bad something is until you get something better. And I just never knew. Like, oh, man, I can do all my social networking. I can email. I can watch YouTube. I can listen to music without my phone dying in, like, a couple seconds. Like, this is amazing. Like, where has this been all my life?
0: It was in the Apple Store waiting for you.
1: Oh, Steve Jobs.
0: You would think you, of all people, would like things from the Apple Store
1: yeah you know what you think you would think that like you know apples Applejack, but I'm very I'm not technological. I'm not a luddite you know I know my way around some stuff, but sometimes I just don't feel comfortable around apples you know I'm just like I, I can't use this mac bro like where's my mouse like I-, I can't right click
2: like, that's right
1: I-, I don't know what I'm doing I'm like where where is everything where's where's my windows key? where's my control alt delete? like I can't function without Bill Gates, you know
0: See, I understand because I'm the opposite. Like I was raised on Apple, you know, graphic design, all Apple, 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 till this year when uh, I had a PC built for me, and it took me like this whole year to figure out all these keys. There's no command keys. Like, where's my command keys? This mouse has a scroll wheel. I don't understand it. You know, <laughs> it's it's whole new world. Definitely. <laughs> yeah,
1: I I just can't. I'm I'm just scared. You know, I, I'm just scared. Like my iPhone is is it? It's good enough. Like I'm not gonna get an Apple. I mean, I probably will at some point. Because, okay, side thing, I want to get into, like, DJing and, like, just playing music and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, it's, like, you're going to definitely need one at mm-hmm. some point. But... You know
0: that the iPad is, like, a. well, see, your phone is the gateway drug to the iPad. And mm-hmm. then you will get to the iPad and that will be a good, like, median between the PC and Apple for you.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, you know what? I have a hard time figuring out what I would need an iPad for aside from that, you know?
0: Yeah, I guess that's true. If uh, you already have a smartphone, you don't necessarily need an iPad. See, I don't have a smartphone.
1: How do you live without a smartphone?
0: <laughs> I don't leave the house a lot.
1: Oh, simpler times, simpler times.
0: That's right. Hey, you wanted you wanted to go be with Applejack, the country uh, person without electricity, or
1: well, no, no, no. Right. I didn't say I was gonna move out there. I was, you know, she can move here to oh, New York, oh, I but see. you know. Okay. I'm sorry, I I need my train, I need my mass transit, you know, that I just can't drive everywhere. Like, yes, I can drive, but sometimes I want to take a nap when I'm in transit, you know?
0: Oh, I would never be brave enough to do that. I would be afraid I would wake up in, like, some other city, or I'd wake up and some dude would, like, steal everything I have.
1: Well, I mean, you know, people, I don't know why. I mean, if I was, if I saw me on a train sleeping, I would, you know, get a couple of feels, but, you know, it's been pretty good to me, you know? I've woken up where I need to get to. Everything's, you know, intact. No one's been touching me. I, I mean, I'm a little disappointed, but <laughs> you know what? I'll take what I can get.
0: All right. Okay. A big thank you to Chris, and you can find him on Twitter at the Real Fire, and Fire is spelled with a P H I R E or at clgamer.com for chocolate lemon. If you'd like to leave some feedback or keep up with the news, you can find me on Twitter at Gray Area Podcast, at Facebook slash Gray Area Podcast, or on iTunes. If you have any gray areas in your relationship or just need a new perspective, email your questions, advice, or suggestions to Genesygrey at Yahoo.com. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next week with a new episode.
2: Hey everybody, Rabbit here with a public service type announcement. As you may or may not know, Genesee used to have sponsorship for her podcasts, but she doesn't anymore. As such, I suggested to her in the meantime that she could put up a Amazon wish list. And after many, 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 many messages on Facebook, I finally convinced her to do so. Genesee was very hesitant and uh, felt weird about saying this herself, so uh, the bunny will do it for her. So if you have enjoyed her Gray Area podcast and you might want to return the smile or uh, good times, you now have a chance to do so through the Amazon wishlist. All you have to do is go to Amazon.com and do a search for a wishlist and type in Genesee Gray at yahoo.com and it should pop right up there. And when I checked it this morning, gifts range from some books at around ten dollars was the low range. And then it was a few games that are older games. So they were sort of, you know, mid range price, like around 20, 25 bucks or so. And then it was at least one or two uh, newer games that are, you know, around 55 to 60 bucks. And then all the way at the high end was a console system, which she doesn't have yet. And there's a few games for the console. So be wary of that. If she doesn't get the console, obviously don't get her the games for the console because that would be silly. But if you have enjoyed her podcasts and want to say, Thank you in a way that is not a direct donation of monies. You can do an indirect donation of monies through uh, getting a gift. You can go to the Amazon wish list and pick out something and send it to her. And if you can't afford to send a donation, but you do want to send some appreciation to your favorite podcaster, pretty much all of us do appreciate getting a little note now and then. Send an email or post on the Facebook page. Okay, that's it. Okay, thanks. Bye.